The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. And sponsored by March Communications, connecting innovation and people. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. We're recording this in New York City. And by the time you hear this show, we will have unveiled our North American Agencies of the Year for 2017. So that momentous news will already have broken. Uh, And what we're going to do today, myself, um, along with Paul Holmes and Arthi Shah, we will just go through the Agency of the Year winners and and perhaps provide a little bit of context as to why they won, discuss the trends that are apparent from the best performing agencies in North America, uh, and maybe provide some forecasts in terms of what we're seeing from agencies in 2017. You're you're raising your eyebrows already, Paul. Is Is the forecasting troubling you? No, I was actually just trying to figure out whether there was, in fact, any kind of common thread that we could weave through such a disparate group of agencies. But I think there is, actually. I mean, I think, um, you know, I think we can see in all of these firms um, a real commitment to doing um, full-scale integration across paid-earned, shared-owned, multi-channel, multimedia, multi-tool, um, expanding the boundaries of what it means to be a public relations agency and I think I don't think we necessarily consciously looked for that this year but I think that's what you get when you start to look at all of these agencies together. Mm. Should also note um, regular listeners of the echo chamber may be a little alarmed when they hear Arthi Shah um, it has it is actually Arthi Shah on the podcast today she has not been replaced by a chain smoker but in fact has a throat condition, which will clear up, no doubt, by the time of the Sabre Awards this evening in a few hours. But let's start with Large Agency of the Year, and I guess there can't be that many people that will be that surprised by this once you um, once you exclude all of the rival agencies in this category. Uh, Weber Shandwick named Large Agency of the Year for the third time in the past four Four years, uh, North American fees up 11% again for the world's second largest PR firm. They just seem to be doing everything right. Yeah, I think in in my write-up last year, I called them the most complete PR agency in the world, and um, I don't think anything has changed over the last 12 months to make me rethink that. Um, I think they're getting the employee experience. Uh, right. I think they're getting the customer experience right. I think their digital capabilities are better than any of their large publicly traded peers. Mm. Um, the the only firm that I think rivals them in that regard is is, is Edelman among the giants. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was clearly a stronger year uh, for Weber Shandwick than it was for almost any of the big agencies. The only large agency, and and it's a much smaller agency than Weber Shandwick, that outperformed their numbers was Conan Wolf. Mm. Um, And both Conan Wolf and and, um, Edelman, frankly, deserve honorable mentions this year, Uh, but it was Weber Shandwick's year. I just wanted to to talk a little bit, before we move on to the next category, um, about Golan, which I think won this large agency possibly four years ago, or maybe even five, 
uh, and they have been doing quite well. They have been growing well. Uh, obviously, the, the restructuring they ushered in seems to have worked. Um, and perhaps you can provide a little bit of context in, as to why they didn't win this year. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think to a certain extent they're just a little bit overshadowed by Weber Shandwick, um, you know, their sister agency, obviously, um, that continues to post very similar numbers in, in terms of growth, but from a much larger base. Um, Golan's work is is always strong. Um, you know, their, uh, their their launch of the breakfast at McDonald's last year. Um, was my favorite campaign of, of sort of 2015. Um, it was uh, it was still winning awards last year, but uh, but it wasn't in this year's Sabres because it had won in last year's Sabres. Mm. Um, I, I, I think, you know, I think they're very strong. I just think right now, you know, I, look, we had five, five mm. finalists, um, each of which in another year um, mm-hmm. could have won, and each of which, frankly, I could have made a case for if we decided to go in that direction. But the reality is that Weber Shandwick's performance um, has been outstanding and outstandingly consistent mm. uh, for quite some time. And it's it's very difficult to look past that. Yeah. Okay. Well, unless there's anything more on large, we'll move on to... Well, we'll move on to our specialist agency of the year, um, which also won in the digital category. Uh, And this is a firm that has really emerged, I think, over the past, what is it, decade? Um, From the West Coast. Uh, Allison and Partners. Um, Arthi, perhaps you'd like to say a little bit about their emergence. Yeah, so as as Arun mentioned, my speaking capacity is somewhat limited, so I'll keep it pretty um, short, but basically, frankly, the work's better than it's ever been. They were shortlisted for 11 Innovation Sabre Awards. And Paul, do you know, remember how many Sabre, Gold Sabre Awards they were nominated for? I do know that they won three. Uh, yeah. They were nominated for something more than that. Yeah. Um, but the, the work, as you say, was of a very high caliber this year. Yeah, and it is. They did work with them with the Pope. I mean, you can't really beat that, right? Um, it's, a, it, it's, it's a top-notch celebrity endorsement. Uh, other people have to make up being um, being endorsed by the Pope as part of the fake news movement. Allison and Partners actually got him on board for for STEM, which was, you know, I think pretty impressive. Yeah, that's I, one of the judges actually in the Innovation Sabers called that campaign. It was it was the, for the STEM Life Foundation, um, just a perfect campaign. Like that was that was their their feedback. Um, the other work that I that stood out at least um, for us was um, the work with Seventh Generation and Maya Rudolph, the Vajangle. Um, if you haven't seen that on YouTube, you should look it up. Um, and then also the work for Campgrounds of America. That was just a wonderfully integrated, great insights and fantastic results. The reality is that Allison could very easily have won mid-size. It could very easily have won consumer. It could very easily have won creative. Mm-hmm. Um, there were four categories, at least, in which Allison was a serious contender. Um, and you know, from from where they were three or four years ago, they're now 50 million plus globally, mm-hmm. uh, closing in on 50 in the U.S. Um, they've become a real force in the business yeah. and, and a disruptor. Yeah. And, and worth mentioning, they just won the arm business, which yep. is, I suspect, going to become immediately <gasps> one of their biggest accounts and 
not only that, it's a genuinely multi-market account, US, UK and Europe, you know, one of the big, big tech yeah. technology. Well, accounts. and in technology, which, you know, is not where, I mean, one of the categories they were not a contender is technology agency of the year, mm. but, but they've become genuinely full service. I mean, yeah. I think corporate consumer, right. um, tech, health uh, there's a pretty good balance of business I there mean, now. If you look at, i mean their biggest account i mean samsung is one of yep. their biggest accounts mm. and then toyota, the, toyota well. and mm. and now the arm is a pretty big piece of business as well yeah, yeah. so very rounded mm. okay and it's just it's just very well managed too mm. right i mean i think stable yeah, yeah, yeah i think yeah. we underestimate that that ability mm-hmm. just to perform year in year out mm. um they have a slightly different model um, you know, they have a one profit center model, which I that's right globally uh, a big fan of. Mm. Um, they they they're not dominated by any one office. You know, I think mm. that they have a they have five or six offices around their network, which are pretty much the same size, and mm. you know they're not dominated by one practice area. It's just a very well balanced business. Yeah. Do we need a, di- a digital category going forward? Yeah, uh, it's an interesting question. I mean, I, you know, I, I look, I, I just finished judging Sabre Awards, both here and in Europe. Um, I mean, there may have been the odd campaign that didn't include anything digital, mm. um, but but that's you know, I, I, digital is. I, look, I, I, I've been, I said this five years ago that I thought the whole idea of a digital agency was sort of a transitional life form. And I'm sure when, mm. I'm sure when, when uh, America got its first broadcast network, mm-hmm. there were television PR agencies that only focused in television. Yeah. Um, but right. over, you know, over the years and very quickly, that just became part of the media mix. And, you know, you were expected to be able to execute that as well as you could print. Well, now I think you're expected to execute digital as well as you can mm-hmm. everything else. And, uh, yeah, it, there's a, it, it's helpful only in that there are a lot of, there are a lot of agencies that might, might do well in other categories but don't, and it gives us somewhere for, for us to recognize their work. Um, but do I think it's a separate thing? I think maybe another year or so, but I'd be surprised if we were still doing it in 2020. Mm. I think what what it means might evolve a little bit also. I mean, because you're right. I mean, pretty much all five agencies on this list could have been um, recognized elsewhere. But the two that stood out to me were W2O Group and MSL because they were what really drove them was their uh, platforms, Conversations to Commerce, and then for W2O M Digital Life. So I think think it might evolve into agencies that are developing platforms that are actually pushing the industry forward more so than integrating our digital work. Yeah, that's a valid point. Mm. Okay, Midsize, um, another agency that has done very well over the past few years, Zeno, uh, also taking home platinum for um, a a fairly eye-catching campaign for a drill blowtorch <laughs> blowtorch sorry i knew it was something in that genre yeah, um <laughs> you have to uh, i really respect agencies that can take something totally unglamorous um and the blowtorch business you know this is a 140 year old business that had been marketing in a very traditional way um came up with a tremendous insight driven campaign um you know based around sort of the 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 pride that people take in in the crafting projects and and the way in which that's a sort of self-expression um and then came up with a campaign that was pretty much pr led pr only 
um, very, very innovative use of digital channels, YouTube and Twitter and other social media to connect with, with the constituency they were targeting. And hugely impressive business results. I mean, a 300% increase in traffic to the website, um, almost a 50% increase in so sales at Home Depot, a 20% increase in sales at Lowe's. Mm. And this was a campaign that had real impact. Mm. Uh, insight, innovation, impact, the trifecta. Yeah. I thought it was, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know that I believe in the perfect campaign. Um, but it was very, very smart, and in a category where you just didn't expect it, it leapt off the page. Mm. Worth noting, I think that Z, that the work, um, the the work has stood out at Zeno, and they have, I think, one of the stronger insights and planning capabilities in the market. So the work is good. The growth is quite impressive. Well, quite remarkable. Twenty three percent last year in the U.S. to more than $42 million. Um, and Paul, you re will remember when Zeno was not such a good agency. <laughs> yeah, look, um, Zeno's always been capable of good work, but it mm. was for the first 10 years of its existence, I think, an agency in search of identity. Um, it, I mean, I've gone through at least five CEOs there before, um, before Bobby Siegel came on board. And uh, each CEO seemed to sort of lurch in a slightly different direction, um, but but it was always it was always in those years a sort of repository for Edelman clients that didn't have anywhere else to go, mm. and it's certainly now. I mean, look, Bobby Bobby has a very strong personality. Mm. Um, she was never going to accept the idea that Zeno should be a second string agency no, or a conflict agency. Yeah, and nor should she, really. No, no, absolutely. I, I think that's a, that, that's a failed model. Mm. Um, but she's built an agency with a very strong identity of its own. It has some similarities with Edelman, but it has some real differences. Um, and doing a great job. Yeah, and, and the growth engine at DJE last <laughs> yes. year. Yes, they had a good year last year. They had a great year. I mean, even globally, I think they're yeah. up to now. 60 million, 400 people. They are. Uh, Their UK yeah. acquisition was a good acquisition. Three monkeys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah very, very smart. Um, yeah, and they're strong where they need to be. So I think they're definitely an agency to watch on the on the on the global spectrum, um, as well as in the US. So we move on to boutique agency. Oh, I'm sorry. I haven't got well, my list does not include small but let's talk about small so okay so this is interesting um, agency of the year in small a mini a Minneapolis firm correct yeah uh, previously known as Spong they've been Carmichael Lynch Spong they've been Spong and now they're Carmichael Lynch relate um, the exit of course of Doug Spong who was the founder of the agency before he sold it to Interpublic Group. And now, of course, it's part of the Carmichael Lynch uh, advertising group and under the leadership of Julie Batliner. And I think I think usually when the founder leaves and he was leaving after 26 years of, of tremendous success, Doug Spong, uh, people may have thought, uh, and people may have, may have forgiven the agency perhaps for going quiet for a while. And instead it, it appeared to submit the best year in its history, growing 47% to um, $25 million. 
uh, with new business from from a number of clients. Uh, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I don't, even though I wrote the Carmichael Lynch Relate uh, write-up, I don't know them all that well. So, if either of you would like to provide some context into the agency's history <coughs> and, and why this was such an impressive year for them. Yeah, this is this is an agency that's always been very good at awards. Um, you know, they, they have a knack for award writing. Mm. Um, so they've always performed well in Sabre. Um, the quality of the work is, is very good. They've, they've sort of transitioned. When I, when I first met them, I thought of them primarily as a B2B agency. They sort of mm. transitioned into a more consumer-y kind of realm. Mm. Um, I think um, the, the continued success is in some ways uh, still a tribute to Doug despite the fact that he's gone because I think mm. he put in place a very strong leadership team mm. there. Um, they have very strong values. Um, you know, I think, I think we can occasionally fall into the trap of, of sort of labeling these firms from, you know, Minnesota and Chicago and Illinois that do sort of really good, solid work, consistent work mm-hmm. um, as being Midwestern. Mm-hmm. Um, and having a certain special source, but in this case, I think you know they're very much a firm of the Twin Cities. They have the the customer service ethos that I think is really strong there. They have the social responsibility ethos that I think is really strong there, um, and um, and a very very good leadership team. And I wasn't at all surprised that they continued their success when Julie took over, mm-hmm. and I wasn't at all surprised when Julie was elevated to a leadership role the within ad the ad agency uh, as a whole. Um, because this really is a business that has balanced public relations and advertising and not allowed the advertising tail to wag the public relations dog. Mm. Excellent. So Boutique now, Agency of the Year. Um, this was a competitive category this year. Well, Sorry, you may need to say that. Well, I was just going to say this was a really competitive category this year. I think it was, um, I think we all were making cases, but the winner was LDWW. Yeah, so Ken Luce, who of course um, had a, a long career uh, at, at big agencies, I think Weber Shandwick most notably, where he was uh, an important part of that leadership team, left a few years ago, um, set up a, a small firm in Texas, uh, showed up on our Global Creative Index last year because of a couple of campaigns that won a, a lot of awards. Um, but I mean, I, I don't want to do them a disservice. The type of work they do is not what you would call creative consumer work. Um, they, they are doing, though, some really impressive crisis and issues work uh, and providing, I suspect, a level of counsel that, that many firms are, are unable to match. Yeah, but I, but I, I do think it's actually both. Mm. Um, I think that, that corporate uh, crisis and issues management capability is very important. If you look at the big campaigns that they handled last year, they were, handling, they were handling issues that... Um, a firm of that size doesn't often get to handle. Um, but at the same time, they were doing some creative things. I thought the Carnival campaign actually was sort of right in their sweet spot. Yes, there's an issue involved in going into uh, Cuba for the first time, uh, but they also had to make sure that it was a marketing success, that consumers were excited about it, and they did that well. They've done some great consumer work for GameStop. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're an interesting mix, but they're... Um, they're top heavy, mm. uh, you know, senior counsel led, um, and they're also, I don't know whether this is um, good luck or good judgment uh, or some combination of the two, 
But there are not a lot of players in that Texas market. I mean, Texas is the the second mm. or third largest home to corporate five, Fortune 500 companies. I mean, there are yeah. a lot of big companies headquartered in Texas. Have they all been bought by and networks? Yeah, or? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the, 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 the independent powerhouses got bought by yeah. networks, but then sort of faded. Oh, um, you mean the networks themselves are not that strong in Texas? No, I, I, I would be... I mean, I think Golan has a good operation in Texas. Edelman is bought yeah. in Texas. Edelman and bought done okay. Volmer. Weber yeah. and Hill and Knowlton still have operations. I mean, obviously, public strategies in Austin it's is, huge, is yeah. a yeah. decent place. W2O. But, but, but there's, there are very few people doing this kind of work there, and, mm. and LDWW has just carved out a really good niche for itself and, uh, and is enjoying real success. And Arthur, as you said, it was a, a very competitive category. I mean, Praytel, I think, had a yeah, had an excellent year. Yeah, Praytel, they um, they are now at 9.2 million, so they're going to be wow. they're they, they're going to be out of this category by next year. Mm-hmm. They of course were bought last year as well. Yep, um, by project. By yep. project. So and so th- they were another contender. I mean, it was like 74% growth. I mean, that's um, that's pretty amazing. And and you know, then there were and not to. Um, not to call out the others, I mean, C plus C kind of just showed up on our radar in the last like 18 months, I would say, and they're producing really strong work. And and Bullets, really small, I think it was the smallest one in the group right now. It's at, I think they're like at 3 million, mm. but they, they're doing crisis work that's really remarkable, and they're working with some really big brands like Google and, and LinkedIn already. So. Mm. All right. Sorry, that was a stretch. I think, I think I'm fading here, guys. <laughs> I think we may get requests, more requests for you to, to, to take on this voice in future podcasts, perhaps. Okay, so it's time to, to leave the U.S. for, for a moment. And uh, we go to Canada, where the Canadian Agency of the Year, actually also very competitive. We had a lot of submissions from Canada. Um, uh, once, um, once, we had, uh, once we'd thrown open the submission process, I, I do recall getting a, a lot of it inquiries from Canadian agencies a couple of years ago asking if they could enter. Mm. Uh, and once we'd assured them that they could, the, the, then... Uh, the, the sort of historic weakness of this category is our fault, not Canada's fault. Yeah, I imagine um, we've so. Always sort of, we've always had sort of one toe in the water of Canada, but, but mm. not... Um, yeah. You know, not we haven't immersed ourselves yeah. in that market. And I think we've, um, but we've, we're learning the market yeah. as we go, and it, there's a lot of very good work being done by a lot of very good independents up there. If people would stop buying them, it would be. Yeah, nice that's true. To... I mean, North Strategic, of course, which won it twice in a row, was acquired by MSL. Um, I actually thought, you know, National um, is a is a very good firm. Had a good submission. I thought Environics, which I think is the possibly the biggest independent I'm not oh is National bigger yeah but Environics is is also a a big presence there had a good submission but of course the winner this year um, was Veritas uh, for a few reasons the growth was very nice they've got great culture but honestly the work was fabulous right I mean they they are doing work as good if not better as any agency in North America uh, and notably the uh, bring back the bees campaign um, for Honey Nut Cheerios, uh, which was uh, an award winner at many shows, um, they have something good going, and I wouldn't be surprised uh, to see them expanding on that into the U.S. Um, I'm not sure what either of you think of the merits of that approach. I mean, I think National has has they, they acquired their way in. Right, they, they acquired Shift, but I also think they have an office in D.C. 
if I'm not mistaken. Or but Environics has an office. In Environics DC. has DC. I'm yeah. sure National has an office somewhere in the US. Maybe not. I'll check that. Um, I suspect Veritas may try that as well. I mean, well, there's another route that Veritas could take were they so inclined, because like Allison, mm -hmm. uh, like Quitkin, um, they're part, like Exponent, they're mm -hmm. part of MDC, like yeah, Hunter, yeah. Um, they have something in common with all of them, I mean they're not a perfect analogue for any of them, but they have something mm -hmm. in common with all of those firms. Um, they could certainly partner with them very easily if they chose to do so, and I suspect are partnering with them when it's appropriate. Um, but yeah, there's, they're, they're, they are a firm that, um, that would match up well with any of the agencies that we're talking about, particularly in the sort of the consumer and creative categories, mm -hmm. um, south of the Canadian border. Um, and it's an interesting market. I, I do think there is a, a certain creative ethos um, that you see in the work, uh, particularly from Toronto. It's always been strong digitally. Maybe that's, you know, there's the presence of um, some of those digital companies, uh, digital platform companies in Toronto has helped. Um, so I do think there's something they can bring. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask about, though, is four of the five agencies on this list are independents. And a few years ago, I think this list would have been all international companies which as you pointed out probably speaks to to our own research into the market but do you feel like the the networks are not getting it right in Canada um not necessarily I just think um, I, I, I think actually there there are two things um, the networks in their presentations to us put so much emphasis on the US that they maybe don't talk to us about their Canadian operations. Weber Shandwick is on there. I mean, I think Weber Shandwick's had a good couple of years mm. in Canada. Yeah, and Edelman has um, a big Edelman has Canadian a substantial operation, operation there. Um, Hill and Alton obviously yep. is, is very strong in mm. Canada. Um, I, I just think that actually they don't, they don't necessarily tell their Canadian story. Mm. Um, Quite as well as some of the independents there. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fair. I think new agency of the year. That's not. We don't need to spend too much time on this one. I think we only had two contenders, um, Vested and Reese. Yeah. Or Rice <laughs> Group. Uh, and Vested uh, not only wins new agency of the year, as also yesterday was ranked as the fastest growing PR agency in the world. I think growing three hundred and seventeen percent. Um, so well done to Vested. I, I suspect they'll never grow 317% again. So uh, enjoy it while no, you can. It, it, you know, I think they're a smart firm, good mm. financial services, expertise, um, very focused. Um, and disruptive, I think, in that yeah. in that sector, yes. right? Yeah. You know, it's, so. not, it's not the most forward-looking of sectors, and they are doing some work that is, I think, probably above kind of industry average there. Yeah, no doubt. Maybe we should take a moment to just make a plug, like, just a, now of course I can tan talk. Um, this is a, a tough category for us to get submissions in, mm. so if you, what, the next year the cutoff will be what, 2015? Uh, no, it'll be agencies launched in 2016. Oh, 2016, oh. Yeah, so two years. Oh, yeah. well, so if you're, if you have a new agency, you should submit for next year. As long as you were founded 2016 and after. 
Yeah, and a lo as long as you've done well, I think it's also helpful. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we just won't give anyone an award. Um, yeah, it's a good point, though. It is it is hard. Um, I feel like there probably are lots of new agencies out there that are not submitting. I don't think there's any any problems with the entrepreneur entrepreneurialism in the market. Okay, we move into specialist agencies now. Um, first up, consumer, always keenly contested because, of course, there's so much growth coming from the consumer marketing space. You know, we're seeing marketing budgets increasingly going towards PR and, of course, the work. Uh, given the integration of, of, of digital and consumer marketing is uh, is top notch in this category, uh, and the firm that wins it is uh, a firm that's done very well in recent years, has won multiple uh, awards from us uh, and elsewhere, I imagine. Uh, Marina Mar Communications, Omnicom owned, uh, grew something like twenty percent. Uh, which was very good, but took them to, uh, I think, something like 50 million globally. Uh, I'm not sure of the exact number, but it's not it's not the growth, though, really, is it? It's the fact that they are consistently winning big assignments all across North America and doing some really good work, right? Arthi and the Innovation Sabres, they did extremely well. Yeah, they did. It. Um, their work with Kotex um, was really well-received. Their work with CoverGirl, of course, was incredibly well-received. Um, even their work with Head & Shoulders, I think, has consistently won our analytics category mm -hmm. because it's, I mean, the, the depth there is is pretty much unparalleled. Mm. That, I think, is the thing, though, is, you know, they are very much a modern public relations agency mm -hmm. with analytics and insight yeah. driving the work. Um, you know, some of the, the, the stuff that we saw in Sabre was great. Some of the stuff that we heard from Sabre judges who worked for them, worked with them, was great. Mm. Um, they, they're, they're a thoroughly 21st century public relations firm. You know, when I consider that when I met them, they were sort mm. of a fashion PR boutique. Yeah, They've come a really long way. Um, but they are a genuine, and, and you only need to look at the fact that every time P&G does a consolidation of its PR agencies, Marina Ma seems to come away with more mm. work every yeah. time. Um, and P&G, you know, is pretty selective about, about who they work with and have pretty high standards. And I just think that tells you everything you need to know about how good they are brand building. Yeah. So let's move on to creative. Um, Mullen Lowe. Uh, Serial award winner, finally recognized as Creative Agency of the Year, Arthi. So uh, what we saw this year was that the, and, and not, not that this was necessarily the case, but World's Toughest Job was not a flash in the pan for them. Mm -hmm. They have consistently done amazing work with, uh, so this year it was JetBlue that, that stood out to the Innovation Savers anyway. Their work with um, the Fly Babies campaign, I think one of the judges said this like I will never think about a crying baby on an airplane the same way. I mean, it, it accomplished what it needed to do. Um, there's their their work across the aisle stuff was was good. I don't think it was as strong as Fly Babies was. Um, and then even their follow up to World Stuffest Job was at South by Southwest, a digital festival. They did a completely analog campaign to kind of bring back card writing, which was really. I mean, it wasn't like you know jaw dropping, but it was creative and interesting. Mm. So um, yeah, I think their track record now is really strong, and you know, and they they operate obviously as part of Mullen Lowe, mm. um, and I think the PR division is trying to gain more recognition, and hopefully for some of this work, they they will. Mm. The, the the thing about Mullen Lowe is the first couple of years that they showed up in our competition, right? My 
I, I wondered whether they'd sort of caught lightning in a bottle by working for JetBlue because I, honestly, I think JetBlue is using PR in a more comprehensive and creative way than almost any company that I can think of, in, in, purely in the consumer space. I mean, they, JetBlue seems to be one of those clients that says yes to every wild and crazy idea. Um, you love working with a client mm. like that, and that was where most of their great work was, was being done. Um, but this year, the standout campaign um, was actually something that they did for Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey, and, mm. you know, sort of taking taking the whole notion that the election had been turned into a circus, and using that to make a fairly staid and sort of you know in decline brand mm -hmm. suddenly seem relevant and exciting again. It was a very clever piece of hijacking, mm. um, and you know I I think I think they do good work across the board. And I think they might be the only PR unit that, within an advertising agency, that, that has actually succeeded. Are there any others? Well, we just Olson. We mentioned we, we just mentioned Carmichael, yeah. Lynch, uh, Spong related. But they succeeded, I suppose, before. I mean, yeah. as, uh, yeah. as one I, that I, was created yes. within. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a this is a um, this is a PR agency. This is a PR business that has sort of grown up mm. inside the advertising agency, and and now you know I think is is every bit the equal of the parent company mm. in terms of creativity and, and smarts. Okay. Financial, uh, Joel Frank, two years in a row. They're doing very well. They are doing very well. Um, mm. They, they um, are performing extremely well in the M&A space. Um, you know, they've been rising up the merger market rankings mm -hmm. um, the last few years. Uh, for a, for a firm that is U.S. only, they have astonishing global reach, I and mean, mm. they do very well internationally as well. Um, and the interesting thing is that's sort of not where they're best. I mean, where they're best is um, helping companies with um, dissident shareholders um, and and sort of proxy battles. Oh um, right, so they're, real they're, corporate. They're very strong in, in that arena. Mm. Um, they have a great portfolio of sort of um, a hedge fund and private equity clients. Um, I, I, I just think they're they're very very strong across the board. Mm. Joel is a force of nature. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, very well respected. Um, occasionally feared, which is in that arena not a bad thing. Mm. Indeed. Healthcare um, also also has turned into quite a keenly contested category, I feel. Uh, and this year, GCI Health wins it. Um, what stood out to you, Paul, about them? I think... I, I'm not sure that it's one thing that stands out uh, for, for GCI Health as much as everything coming together. Mm. So I think some of it is um, some of it is performance. Their growth record has been um, very steady, very consistent. They had another strong year last year. Um, some of it is the work. Some of it is the philosophy. Um, they've they've sort of got this patient centricity, um, which is both part of their own culture and something that they transmit to clients. Um, that I think has been very effective. Um, it's. I, it's a little surprising to me that that can be a differentiator in the health market because you'd think everybody was doing things that way, but that isn't historically how it's worked. Mm. Um, and then they performed extraordinarily well 
in the best agencies to work for research and I think that tells you a lot about the kind of culture that Wendy Lund has created over there mm. and I think that's a huge asset for them as well I don't know Arthur if you want to talk about that research briefly well they they not only um, competed in their um, one in their size category which is which for the first time this year was actually small instead of mid-size because we re we, we changed the, the, the size parameters for each of the categories. So it's not that they shrunk, it's just that we changed our size parameters. So they, but they, they were, they were top. And then and more impressively, they were the overall best agency to work for. So across all four categories, boutique, um, small, midsize and large. And, uh, you know, to, I think they've pretty consistently shown up on that list. Um, was it, Last year they were not, but they, I mean they're pretty much every. Have they have they gotten the overall before yet? I don't think no no. They haven't got the overall, overall, but but they, but they for the size category they they they're fairly consistent. Mm. Okay. All right. Next up, um, well it's public affairs. I'm not sure what happened here because it appears that APCO's won it despite telling us repeatedly that they're not a public affairs firm. Um, of course, I suspect it's because it speaks to the fact that. Public affairs now is is a diverse beast, and APCO is doing some tremendous work, whether it's across corporate, uh, public affairs, even consumer uh, insight-led, uh, but often involving public policy challenges uh, and regulatory issues. Yeah, I just think they're thinking when it comes to solving big, as you say, policy-related um, issues management. Um, market access challenges mm-hmm. is is unparalleled. Um, they have not been growing as much as one would have liked in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's an argument to make that perhaps they've been a little distracted um, in management terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reality is that they um, are still the firm in Washington DC to go for. That's not to downplay any of um, any of their other operations. I do think they're doing great corporate reputation work. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Washington, what they're doing is, is, is not only smart, it's also innovative. Mm-hmm. They embrace digital very early for a public affairs firm and continue to develop new products. Uh, some of the work that they're doing in if they were in the consumer space, you'd call it influencer marketing, but I mm-hmm. guess it's influencer targeting or influencer uh, leverage, or but but you know really really applying what's going on in the influencer space to the public policy process and the public affairs process is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I you know I just think pound for pound they're as smart as any agency that we talk to mm-hmm. regularly. Okay. And that leaves us with our final category, technology, where it was a new winner this year. Uh, Bateman Group, Athi, why did they win? So, so I will say this year, I I had more law, more agencies lobbying for this title this year than I've ever had. I, I think I did more technology meetings this year. In, in some years past, we've actually struggled to even come up with five agencies that we really felt like. That, you know that deserve recognition here, but this year it was actually really really hard for me to whittle it down because a lot of folks made a good good cases, but Bateman ended up winning because I, I still remember when I met Fred for the first time, in like 
it was like, it must have been 2007, and like a little Starbucks, his agency was half the size. He was just this passionate founder with this scrappy little firm, and he was complaining about how they had been losing business to to all of to, to many of his competitors, many of them were bigger, and now he's like the established player on the block. He built a really really strong management team with them. Um, Bill Borden and Tyler Perry. He invested very strongly in content. Eleanor Mills runs, who's a former um, technology reporter, runs all of um, his content stuff. And and they just continue to grow and grow and grow. And now they're, he's not even a boutique anymore, right? He's 10.5 million, um, the firm, 21% growth. They, they do very, very well um, around culture as well. They have a very strong rep- reputation as a g- good place to work. So it was um, it was a very very hard year this year, but because um, um, but Bateman stood out, and I, I do I will take a moment to give Lou a shout out for for Hoffman because it was it was it was they were a very close second I will say um, Hoffman's comeback story is remarkable, but I feel like there's still probably another chapter or two to tell before it's complete. Um, the work the work he's done on SEO and content's been really strong as well, but. Um, but I, I feel like I feel like there's still there's still some way for Lou to go before I'll say he's officially the comeback story. The beginning of the conversation here, we talked about the the thread running through all of these agencies being that they were embracing, you know, a sort of 360 degree peso mm-hmm. integrated approach, um, and I think that that's been true of all of them. The place where I worried about finding an agency like that was technology. I've made this point in-house and, and externally on a number of occasions that I actually think that the technology industry, the technology sector of the PR business has been slower to embrace new ways of working um, than some other sectors. But it was nice with Bateman to find an agency that really was doing um, you know, more than more than you know, get us in TechCrunch, get us on the front page of Fast Company, right? Yeah, but I will say all five. I would say all five this year would would qualify as doing much more than that. I, it seems like there's some amount of sophistication that's finally come yeah, to, I, to San Francisco. I, yes, I don't want to. I, I don't want to overplay my hand in in, in that regard because I think there are a good number of firms doing interesting things. But uh, yeah. the work we see in Sabres in that category still seems more traditional than in most other categories. It, that, that, that's a fair point. I will say the, the Area 1 work that, that Bateman did, um, they they landed two New York Times features, and then Hollywood producers called, and they wanted to option the story into a screenplay. I mean, you, you know you were doing something right as far as telling a strong yeah. story when Hollywood's calling. Um, yeah. But but I, like I said, I mean, I think all five, Method, Highwire, Hoffman, um, Walker Sands, and they actually were recognized in another category, but because again there were there were too many good tech firms yeah. this year. Another one is Bullet. They were moved to boutique because there were there were just too many tech firms this year. And then we even Paul, do you want to talk for a moment about Wee's? Because this is the first time they've been in the category in, in a few years. Yeah, I just think they've I I think they've sort of bounced back nicely. They've made some very very good senior mm-hmm. hires. Um, they are they're another firm like like. Apco that has been telling us for years that they're more than we ju- more than what we think they are. Um, in Apco's case, more than a te- public affairs firm. In Wee's case, more than a technology firm. But I think in Wee's case, what they've done is simply expand the definition of technology to to become a great innovation focused agency. And so some of the work that they're doing in the automotive space, for example, is 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 
spectacularly good, but it's it's technology storytelling, um, and and you know I think that's very smart. Um, and they've got a good senior team in place. They've made a couple of really good hires in the last few years, and I think they're they're poised to um, break through that sort of hundred hundred. Ten million dollar barrier that, that has been. I think they're back over a hundred now. Yeah, they, they did grow last year after a number of years when they didn't. So perhaps the revival is underway. Yeah, feels that way. Like, well, I hope so because you know a, a decade ago they were they were really a very innovative agency. Yes. Yeah. So it's nice to see them back in contention again. Um, okay. Well. I think that probably brings us to the close of our discussion of agencies of the year. Um, we will be back in a in in the not too distant future. We're, we should apologise. We haven't produced a podcast in a few weeks, um, but you know May is just April. Sorry, what month are we in? May. We're in May now. <laughs> yeah, barely. Right. Yeah, barely. But April is is a crazy month for us because between the three of us, we have written 170 agency of the year profiles i'd encourage you to read all of them um we have of course done the rankings uh we have our events uh, in new york and london and of course we've had we have the best agencies to work for research as well so an extremely busy month but we'll be back to a much more regular podcast posting schedule soon uh, thank you for listening please give us a review on itunes if you can uh, only if it's positive of course uh, and of course, you can get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook and so on. You've been listening to The Echo Chamber. Brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by Marketeers. Sponsored by March Communications, connecting innovation and people.